In the fall each year we all congregate The mouth all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the lane Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday Athens Podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, joined as always by my co-host, Boss Dog. Boss, bark at the people. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Man, it feels like forever since Herschel and I have done a podcast together. And with everything going on with media days and realignment coming up with OU in Texas, there's so much to talk about. So let's just go right into the coin toss. Yeah, so originally our coin flip question was going to be Texas and OU to the SEC, yes or no, but it seems like now that is a foregone conclusion. So we will change the premise of the question to what are your thoughts on that addition? And I'll also add another caveat to that. Also, the reports that the SEC may not be done uh, in their attempts to grow the conference. Um, there have been some reports that up to four to six additional teams have been in contact with the SEC about possibly joining the conference. So what are your thoughts on the two additions that we know and the possibility of uh, even more additions to the SEC? Well, I'll go with the first part um, with OU and Texas financially it's a no-brainer i mean those two schools uh, of the two school of the schools out there that you know from the big 12 they bring in tons of money especially texas um even without the longhorn network with that with that dime they bring in just so much money it's it's no-brainer product on the field though i mean ou is is the no-brainer texas i don't really get it um, but the financial aspect is a no-brainer. As far as wanting to expand, I mean, offline. I mean, offline. Years ago, we talked about this. I, I probably, I don't know. After AM and Missouri came over, I mean, this would have been, God, 2016, 2017, maybe that we knew that this is that we thought that they were going from, you know, a power five to four mega conferences, which is what I think eventually is going to happen. Um, I'm not so certain that they're going to go to 20. That would probably, instead of going to four, that would mean maybe three. If we go, if they go to 20, then I think we're going to see a split off. Then we're going to see more of a split off eventually to each more pods within college football that there's going to be different champions within college football. Like the conference champions are the champions of that pot, kind of like how there's, you know, the FBS, the FCS, you know, division two, II, division three, stuff like that. I think there's going to be more pods within, within college football. And I, I'll be honest with you. I'm not for that. Like I would rather there be more one national champion at this level, just like there's one national champion at, is right now. I would rather it stay that way. I'm fine with the four mega conferences. I don't really care about that um, with the 
college football playoff expanding to 12, you know, in the near future. I mean, the four mega conferences makes, it would have been made more sense when it was four teams, but I think that makes more sense now too. So I'll be honest with you. I'm a hundred percent out. I don't like the idea of it. Um, I understand conceptually why it's happening and why it's getting bandied about. And I understand conceptually why Oklahoma and Texas were added, just like I understood conceptually when Mizzou and A&M were added, whatever it was, 10, 11 years ago. Um, it's, it's always about the money, um, regardless of what the subject is. So I get that. The more teams that you have and the more properties you have, the more you have to package to a network to then say, hey, let's monetize this and let's pay us the biggest pot. So I get all that, okay? Like, I'm not saying this as some naive person who doesn't understand the economics, doesn't understand why all of this is happening. But as someone who loves the sport of college football, probably more than what I'm probably more than any sport on the planet, part of what we love is the regionalism and the history of the conferences, right? And it just makes me sad, man, that like that is slowly disintegrating. Um, I, I just, I, just I, I will say, at least because of the other additions, the OU Texas thing at least brings a little bit of that history with the Southwestern Conference flavor. And I'm quasi okay with that. But like, what is the rivalry between? Florida and Texas or Florida and Oklahoma as a conference game. Like, I don't know, man. I just, again, I understand why it's happening. And if somebody is going to be the power player in this dynamic, I'm glad that it's the Southeastern conference, but essentially it's not the Southeastern conference. Like, No, it's really the Southern conference. The, the name in and of itself is kind of a misnomer. I mean, it kind of has been since they added Mizzou and Texas A&M, but I don't know. man. I, maybe I'm just a ranked sentimentalist and a traditionalist, but I, I hate to see the expansion and I hate to see what we are used to from a you know, conference perspective essentially going away. And I will say this, I will be a lot more tolerant of it if it stays at 16. But, homie, if we get into this whole 20-team or 24-team Southeastern Conference that also includes Clemson and Florida State and Michigan and Ohio State, I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't know. Well, if, like that. I said, if, if, if that happens, awesome. that, then you're going to that's, – that's really like I was talking about. You're going to – if that happens, you're basically taking the power schools from each conference and other than the Pac-12, and you're making your own league, essentially. That's what I'm not okay with, because I feel like at that point in time, then you're forcing the other schools to make their own. And let's be clear, this is football-driven. 100%. This is money-driven, but this is football money driven because I mean, let's be real realistic. You know, you and I are both big college basketball fans, Kansas, big college basketball school in the big 12 is, but terrible at football is being given their own choice really of where they they're Cause they're talking about moving now, but basically with the big 12 kind of up in the air yeah. for basketball purposes. So 
I'm not if they if they add these four other teams or eight other teams or whatever, you know, going forward, I feel like at that point in time, you're forcing the other schools to come together and make their own league within college football. And I feel like at that point in time, you're forcing you have basically made your own league within college football that there is no other national champion other than the SEC champion at that point. And I'm not okay with that. You would have to make your own playoff within the conference just to to form an SEC champion. I mean, let's talk about that. One of the rumors is these four pods, how like, so you're going to have your own mini playoff within the conference. Like I I don't even like, I mean, I'm assuming that's what you have to do to even get a champion. If you're going to do away with the divisions. Uh, Here's my thing on it. That that's been a, journalist creation i think i don't i don't think that's going to happen and here's why i don't think it's going to happen it's too messy and more than anything the southeastern conference is not giving away their championship game that is their crown jewel it is their big time money maker they're not giving that away and the cleanest path to atlanta is two eight team divisions where there's one one champion out of each division. I, I, I'm just telling you that's that's what's going to happen. Now, the problem they're going to run into is if you do the eight team divisions, you got to play the seven teams in your in your division. So traditionally, with an eight team, eight game SEC schedule, that only leaves one game for a cross divisional opponent. They're going to have to have a nine game schedule. They're going to have to have at least a nine-game schedule, maybe yeah. 10. And there's been a version to that in the past because of the bloodbath that is the SEC football conference schedule. So that they've got some things to navigate. I just don't think the pod thing is realistic because, to your point, then how are we deciding who goes to Atlanta, right? Like, I just don't think that works. I think what ends up happening – most likely is two eight-team divisions and then a nine-game, possibly ten-game conference schedule. I think nine will be the breaking point just because I don't think the school presidents, athletic directors, head coaches are not going to have the appetite for a big conference schedule. But what are they going to do for the cross-divisional opponents? Like, Maybe some of that is taken care of by the finagling of the divisional opponents to maintain some what were cross-divisional rivalries being in-division rivalries. I, I don't know. That, but that's, that's going to be a tough thing. Also, I wonder what the timeline is going to be on it. Like, is it going to happen in next year? Or is – are Texas and OU going to have to wait X years to leave the Big 12? Like, I feel like that would be awkward. So I don't, I don't know. I, I'm really curious to see what the mechanics of all that are going to look like. But as much as the I last, don't like it, I, it, it seems like this is the reality that we're living in. The last thing I saw was 2023 at the latest. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I think it's going to happen way before that because – Dude, it just makes for awkward bed partners, right? Like, yeah. how's the Big 12 going to function for those last two, like, lame duck years, essentially? How are they going to explain to their other conference members that they're paying Texas and OU these big chunks of the pie from a revenue perspective when they're cutting bait? Like, I don't, I don't know how that all works, you know? Also, realistically, with uh, OU probably winning the Big 12 the, the next year, two, three, if they're there, three. 
let's be realistic on that as well. Yeah, well, I mean, dude, it's seven years in a row, so that's not going to change. Yeah. Anyways, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. This week's Saturday Nats and Six Pack brought to you by our good friends at Southern Brewing Company. I mean, look, y'all, there's certain beers that just hit the spot. You've got the first beer at the tailgate, the first tee shot of the day beer, the on a boat beer, the standing by the grill smoking meat beer, the taping a podcast beer, and me and Boss's personal favorite, the, the dogs just beat Florida in the cocktail party celebratory beer. But whichever beer you're drinking, So Bruco's got you covered. Personally, some of my favorites are the 7 a.m. because, you know, like the tailgate is a marathon. So I got to have something a little lighter. When it's hot out, I like the red and black, or maybe just as a little refresher for me and boss after we're chasing our broods of kids around. I feel like the hobnail every day of the week is always a good call because I just kind of envision Larry Munson narrating me drinking it. If you're going to drink beer, drink the beer that's Athens born and Southern made. Cheers, y'all. Now, let's pop some tops. All right, so let's get into uh, the Saturday in Athens six-pack. want to talk about uh, media days. Um, obviously a lot of stuff coming out of that. So I want to touch on those things. So topic one that we want to hit on here is, uh, Kirby Smart's presser, right? Let's lead off with that. And I think kind of the viral moment from his presser was when he drops the line about NIL talking about getting a text from Quavo and Quavo telling him in Kirby's words, quote, to tell the players, don't be thirsty, which we did a graphic on this in our social, but I have to just bring this out. If they somehow finagled away where Quavo released a song within like the next couple of weeks called Don't Be Thirsty, and they just had Kirby like on auto tune in the hook, just saying Don't Be Thirsty from the SEC media days. Homie, that's triple plat. Like that thing would just rocket up the charts. So I need that to happen sooner rather than later. Like I need Don't Be Thirsty by Quavo featuring head coach Kirby Paul Smart like I need air. So can somebody who can make that happen please get on that as quickly as possible? <laughs> no, I mean, it, that was, of course, the most viral moment. I mean, a lot of things came out of media days. But as far as – I mean, I think Georgia players so far, I mean – you haven't heard of anything like outrageous. I mean, nothing like Bryce Young where he's making almost a million dollars this year. Yeah. I just thought he touched on it in a really good way. And I think him and I think a lot of the coaches did a good job of it, but I thought Kirby and Nick shocking to no one probably did the best job of framing NIL because I think they did it in a way where it was kind of like a pitch to kids that are going to come into the program, right? Like, I think, number one, it's no mistake that he mentioned that he's just having texts with Quavo, right? Like, that's a, that's a great thing from a being culturally relevant to 18 to 22-year-old kids. Like, so that was yeah. no, that was not a mistake. And then also, I think the message was very clear too, right? Like, we want you to come here and take all the best opportunities possible but we're also going to guide you through that as a program in a really smart way so that you do the best for yourself and for your brand. So like on this show, Kirby is just playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers, brother. And coach Saban was the same way. Like, dude, that was no fluke that he just 
randomly pops out in the lead into SEC media days. Oh yeah. Uh, Bryce Young's about to make seven figures. Like, yeah, <laughs> of course you would say that because then other kids are going to go, hold on, hold on. Quarterback at Alabama is going to make seven figures off NIL deals. Uh, maybe I should ought to think about going to Alabama. Right. Like, they're all being really, really smart about it, which is no surprise to anybody that's paying attention, right? But I just thought that was extremely interesting. But I'm still – I need Don't Be Thirsty the single to come out as soon as possible. Like, so let's let somebody get on that, okay? I need that to be blaring at the tailgate in Charlotte on September 4th. So I don't know who knows who to make that happen, but somebody out there – on the interwebs has got to have some connection there to just make that work. So let's rock on that. Okay. Um, all right. Let's pop, let's pop top number two. Uh, I want to talk about Kirby, the transcendentalist, just out of the clouds, dropping some Henry David Thoreau on us. So uh, I don't know, Brad, you're my literature guy. Just so y'all know, Boston's granddaddy owned a bookstore. So, so I'm just going to let you roll with that for a minute. Yeah, well, I've been reading classical literature since I was about eight or nine years old. That was the way that uh, most most kids, when they're doing chores when they're a kid, um, the way to, to like earn a little extra money, they're mowing grass, they're taking out trash, or maybe that's just what they had to do in their household. My grandfather's having me read Dickens and... Oscar Wilde and, um, you know, Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula. That's what I had to do to earn money and have to have a dictionary there by me to, to figure out what half these damn words mean. So that was my childhood growing <laughs> up. So, yes, that, that was definitely, uh, you know, interesting with, with that. I loved, loved his quote um, from Media Days, though. It was very, very entertaining. I did find it interesting, though that he's used that quote what the framework is the mental side of things about the struggle of last year was them not having face-to-face contact with the whole team and some guys because of all the restrictions not even getting to meet in person with each other except on game days things like that so i thought that language was very intentional and i loved it because i think it's where you want them to be which was about you know, this is going to be a team thing and we are going to be on the same page. He even made comments about how they had sacrificed in-person practice time to spend time doing things on the mental side, uh, whether it be team building things or whether it be, you know, just getting themselves mentally prepared for what's going to be the, the grind of the 2021 season. And I, I thought there were a lot of echoes of like, the Trevor Moad stuff in there, right? Like it takes what it takes and, you know, keep the main thing, the main thing. Like, I, I think that's this year's thing, right? It's connection. That's going to be the, the internal mantra for the Georgia football team. So I just always find media days interesting because of what comes out of it, kind of parsing the words to figure out what they're really trying to say. So those were the two big takeaways for me from his press conference were, his message on NIL and his message on where the Georgia football team is at from a you know mindset perspective as it goes into the 2021 season. So I uh, really love both of those things. Um, all right, top three. Let's pop top three. 
We are obviously on the countdown here to the Duke's Mayo Kickoff Classic, Dogs Tigers, in Charlotte on September 4th. As of this taping, we are 41 days out. And the announcement during media days, and I think you know it's probably the least surprising announcement in history because we've pretty much been talking about it for six months. But uh, College Game Day has officially announced that they will be uh, in Charlotte for the kickoff class. So um, I believe the location is called Bearden Park. hope I'm saying that right. It's a couple blocks from the stadium. It's also, fortunately for us, uh, like three or four blocks from where our tailgate spot is going to be. So how fired up were you when you saw the graphic for them coming to Charlotte? Extremely fired up, man. I can't tell you how excited I am for this. So this will be my first game day experience, college game day experience. So I've never been to a game where game day has been there. So I can't tell you how excited I am for that. It'll be, I'm super stoked. Well, I think one of the things that's going to be cool, like the first time that Chris and I went, you know, we thought if you go to game day, you kind of lose out on the game day experience as like a viewer. But the way they have it set up is so perfect. Like they have tons of TVs that are fan facing. So you're still getting to like consume the show essentially while you're there in the crowd. So you really don't even feel like you're missing anything. And it's going to be electric. Like we have been there for a neutral site spot. They were at the 2018 SEC championship game. And then they were also at the 2019 Georgia Notre Dame game on campus. And I feel like I didn't get a real feel for the neutral site um, environment because it was pouring down raid at the 2018 SEC championship game. So it was still really cool, but like 2019 on campus um, at Myers quad was electric like band there the whole deal tons of fans they have all these picture opportunities for you as a fan they have the 360 camera you can go in and do a video and then they send it to you if you get there early enough you can get the hard hats like it's just really really cool and they'll have t-shirts and stuff that are game day branded for that actual show that you can get stuff so i mean it's going to be really awesome and uh yeah, uh, kind of as a pivot off of that, um, we've pretty much got our tailgate locked down, homie. So we've got the RV that's going to be there. Uh, we're going to have two or three spots. So we're going to have plenty of area for games and whatnot. We're going to have Chippo. We're going to have Cornhole. I think our intention is probably to tape a podcast live that day, hopefully with some special guests coming in and out to talk about the game that day um our intention is to build our own plinko game uh like price is right your boy's gonna be like bob barker pulling people up maybe i'll get a little maybe i'll get a little thin microphone like bob did for the taping i think i might have to make that happen brother um i mean who doesn't who doesn't love plinko right and uh we're hoping to do some giveaways maybe a raffle or two with some georgia themed items so if y'all are going to be in the Queen City for the opener, and we sure hope y'all are, come by and see us. Our parking spot is going to be at 501 South Caldwell Street. That is the oversized lot for the NASCAR Hall of Fame. So we would sure love to see y'all. Um, come on over and hang with us. Be a lot of fun activities to do. There'll be some cold beverages present at the tailgate. We'll have some 
some delicious treats to eat there as well. So y'all come on out and we'll be talking about it on our episodes leading up into the opener and we'll, we'll be pumping it on social too, but uh, we sure would love to see everybody. No cost, free. We just want to hang out with you guys. Want to uh, want to bark with y'all about the game. Want to meet some of you guys in person. So come on out, see us. Boss is going to be looking handsome with those beautiful flowing locks and that that luscious beard. And I'm going to be there just kind of riding on his coattails like I always do. And then uh, my brother, Chris, Uncle Chris. I think that should be Chris's show name. We're just going to call him Uncle Chris. Uncle How Chris. How do you feel about that? That works. I think I, How I think does he feel to... about that is the question. <laughs> well, we're not, we're not asking. He's just going to have to wear asking. that. He's he no, Chris. That's just, yeah, that's just, that just is what it is. So, yeah. So, the countdown is on. We're about 41 days out. Um, so, yeah, fired up about that. We will be at game day bright and early. I need a, I need one of them hard hats, brother. I need it bad. <laughs> I mean, I don't love the, the color because that Home Depot orange is very, like, Clemson-y orange and or Tennessee orange. But, I mean, it's cultural, right? Like, I got to get yeah. got to get me a college game day built by the Home Depot uh, hard hat. And if, if we don't make it in time, if somebody with Home Depot or with college game day just wants to send your boy one, I'll wear that all day long. Uh, all right, let's pop top number four. I want to talk about JT Daniels' press conference. I thought, once again, he was very instructive in what he talked about. Most importantly, the way he referred to himself as the quarterback within the Georgia offense for 2021. He kept referring to himself as a distributor, which, if you're a fan, you have to love that, right? Like, essentially, he's just saying, look, I'm just here to be the point guard, and I want to get the ball to all the different dynamic scorers that are in our offense. And, man, I just love that. And kind of as a piggyback off that, he also talked about the trip that he organized to California that I think the count was nine or ten guys ended up going out there for it. So it it was very reminiscent of, like – Aaron Murray and Jake from and doing, I know it wasn't like an on campus, like, Hey, we're organizing throwing and stuff, but I almost thought this was bigger because it was a two pronged thing, right? It was a giving the group an opportunity to spend time together. But I think more importantly, it was giving them an opportunity to kind of see where he's from and a way for him to show them like, Hey guys, this is who I am. And like, I'm your guy and I want y'all to know where I come from so we can all be like boys and be on the same page. Like, was that your read on that or kind of what did you think about what he said at his press conference and kind of where he's positioned he just, himself so, as the leader of that team going into the season? Well, I think that word is exactly what I was going to say. I think it just solidified him as the guy in that locker room, as the leader of this team that he organizing this trip, showing his, his background and, you know, where he's from just, it's going to make this team want the, these guys, this brotherhood want to follow him that much more into battle. And I think that that was not that it was key. Cause it's not like he was, didn't have that beforehand, but it's just going to make that bond that much stronger because he's not from the South. He's not, it's not like these guys, you know, grew up playing against each other. It's not like they know the town just because they're it's 
three hours away and they know someone's brother's cousin that lives there, you know, or anything like that, that they've ever been hunting and fishing there. It's, you know, it's across the country. So it's, it makes it so that they have a better understanding of him and his upbringing and stuff like that. Whereas opposed to, they could just, you know, know it just from being around it because that's where they're from. So I think that there's a, it's a big connection piece of them to him. So I think it's going to be, and not that they weren't going to follow him because just the type of person is, you know, he's got that doc holiday swagger, not tonight, even the fact that he looks like him, but he's just got that swagger to him. It, they were going to follow him to battle no matter what, but I think it's just going to make that, that deep, that connection that much more. Yeah, it, it was, it was just great, man. I, I, I've told you a number of times we've mentioned it on here. I've tweeted it, but if you haven't read Trevor Moads, it takes what it takes. It's a must read just for the snippets where Trevor talks about his relationship with JT as a high school quarterback. And he makes a comment in the book and I, I'm going to misquote it, but it's something along the lines of he's the most mentally advanced high school athlete that Trevor Moad had ever worked with. And boy, if, if you're a Georgia fan, that just has to fire you up. And I think that performance at media days and kind of what we saw at the end of last year is just the evidence of that, that thought. Right. And I think he is in line. If he can stay healthy and if the outside playmakers can stay healthy, boy, he is going to have a monster season because just from an eye test perspective, it just looked different when he started playing last year. His arm talent is obviously great, and he just seems to really understand this Monk and offense, and, and he's been able to conceptualize it, and I think that's only going to get better with these last eight, nine months. So I, I am really, really excited, uh, almost waiting with bated breath to see what, what they're going to look like uh, come the opener. Um, so, yeah, I think that's something to track. And I think kind of what he talked about at media day should have everybody really fired up about the offense coming into the season. So let's pop top number five. Got to talk about our boy, Jordan Davis, big JD nine, nine, the big fella. I mean, first off, let's just talk about his look. He was looking swagalicious. Oh, yeah. I mean, those red shoes were just fresh to death. Like I, I was so happy about that. I was just gave him a little standard ovation from, from my, from my office when I saw those red shoes, just swag like you read about. Right. And also he just seemed to kind of steal the show on that day. I think he, in so many ways is like a larger than life personality um, and is quickly becoming one of my favorite dogs of all time. Um, just, and look, a big piece of that is how, great a player he is but the other side of that is just how electric a personality he is and just how awesome he seems like dude when he dropped the line during the press conference that he's been eating organic swedish fish like i about fell off my chair like i i don't know how you make a swedish fish organic but i think i'm gonna eat organic swedish fish all day on game day just in solidarity with my brother like, I, that was just laugh out loud funny. I almost feel like we need a T-shirt that says, I eat organic Swedish fish too or something like that. Like, that's just, I don't know. That was, that was cracking me up. But just, I don't know, man. JD is just, 
He's he's a he's guy, phenomenal. Man. I mean, he he just oozes personality. Like he's just he's he's great. And I mean, I also I mean. <laughs> His personality shined through so much on that. But I, I mean, I think my biggest takeaway from it was the fact that he's not taking advantage of the NIL. So, which I thought was a big thing, which, and he could, he really could, but he's choosing not to. It's just not that important to him. And I think that that's goes back to what we talked about with the don't be thirsty um, right from our first, first pop. So it's, it's just not for him or maybe the right opportunity hasn't presented itself and he's just not interested in it. And it's not, he wants to build his brand the right way. And, or maybe he just wants to focus on the season. I mean, it's just not worth it to him. And I think that a lot of younger players could learn from that because I think too many people are gonna, you know, I mean, we talked about this off air. We haven't talked about it since it's become, you know, started, July 1st on air, but too many players are going to just jump at anything and be taken advantage of by people um, just to make a dollar off these kids. And they're not, they don't care about the kids. They're trying to make their own buck and it's not going to matter to them. And that's, that's unfortunate. And there's going to be a lot of growing pains with this, the first couple of years until things kind of settle down a little bit. That's a great point. And that's a really good takeaway from his press conference. I'm really glad you brought that up because I found that extremely interesting that he made comments about, you know, hey, he was asked about the NIL. I said, no, to me, it's just, it's confusing. I'm so focused on the season. And I just thought all of his comments about, look, it wasn't really a huge decision for me to come back. Like, I wanted to be here with my guys. I want to win. I think he's just locked in on having the best season he can have as the leader of Georgia's defense and also the team having the best season that they can have. And you got to love that, right? Like he's just so locked in, I think. And I think he also is cognizant that if he has a really good year and the team has a really good year, it could be life-changing money for him because I think he has the, a real opportunity to catapult himself in the draft. Yeah. And so I think probably part of his mindset, he's getting great advice is look, I'm not going to be chasing around like these video game deals and all this other stuff. Like I'm going to focus on the big money and what I can control via my play on the field and how I can contribute to the team and show what my value is football player. Um, at least that was kind of my take on it. Maybe I'm totally off base on that, but that was, that was what I took away from, from what he said. So I just thought too, what a great, I think showing from the two leaders of the two units. Like I thought it was very strategic who Kirby brought to media days, right? Like it's the unquestioned leader of the offense and the unquestioned leader of the defense. And man, it was, I don't know. I, I love media days just because it's kind of a taste that football is almost here um, at a time when it feels like it's never going to get here. But based on what Kirby talked about, what JT talked about and what Jordan talked about, Man, I am like just chomping at the bit for the opener and for the season in general. So, uh, yeah, man, uh, I thought it was awesome. 
All right, let's pop top number six. The Saturday in Athens Sixer this week. It was National Hot Dog Day this week. I don't know who comes up with these days. There seems to be something each day, but if it's National Hot Dog Day, homie, we're going to talk about hot dogs. Your boy loves a good hot dog. I'm also just going to put this out there. Costco hot dog may be one of the better hot dogs on planet Earth. So I'm just going to put that out there. Like if you can go into Costco and not get a Costco hot dog while you are on the premises, you have a stronger set of willpower than I do. Let's just put it that way. If your boy rolls into Costco, he's either A, getting a hot dog to walk around the store with or walking out the door with one for the ride home. So let's just start with that. But my premise this week was I want you to rank one to six. These six, I guess you could say types of hot dogs or categories of hot dogs. How do you feel about that? That works. Okay. These are the six. So first and foremost, just, you know, the all-American hot dog, just a hot dog. All right. The second is going to be a corn dog. The third is going to be a brat. The fourth is going to be an Italian sausage. The fifth is going to be Vienna sausage. And the sixth is going to be pigs in a blanket. So let's get your countdown. Let's go worst to first. So I'm going to get you to go six to one. All right. Six. Corn dog. I. I hate corn dogs. It's the breading. <laughs> I don't like the breading. I, it's, it's gross to me. I, I, if I get one, I take the breading off and eat the dog. Like, I just don't like it. It's gross. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's gross. I don't know. I've never had one. Uh, five, Vienna sausage. Just, ugh, ugh. It's like glue in a can. No, no thanks. <laughs> um, so, for four, I'm going to go regular hot dog. Oh, Three, Italian sausage. Okay. Two, brat. Hold, hold on. Number one, yeah. Number one, pigs in a blanket. My boy has got pigs in a blanket as the title holder in the hot dog category. And let me tell you why, though. Let me tell you why, though. It has nothing to do with the hot dog. It has not a damn thing to do with the hot dog. Your boy loves some croissants. Loves some croissants. On on Thanksgiving, on Thanksgiving, we have croissants with our Thanksgiving dinner, and I will eat an entire basket of croissants. Like we have to have an extra basket of croissants for me by myself. That is the entire reason that that is number one. It is the croissants. That has nothing to do with the hot dog. It is the croissants. So oh, that is the reason, and the only reason that that is number one. Couple things on your list, okay? I I find just great humor and some symmetry in the fact that your least favorite is a coated hot dog, and your favorite is a coated hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> so that makes me that makes me laugh. Um, the second thing is I'd have known you since we were knee high on a grasshopper, not till this very day. Did I know that you were a Frenchman at heart and love you a croissant? Like <laughs> that may be that may be my new fun fact about the boss man is that he will cut you for a croissant. Like oh, I yeah. am, I am all about that. Oh, that's fantastic! 
oh, this list went a whole different place than I thought it was, and I'm so, so happy about it. Okay, so that's a, that's a good list. Now, now I got to uh, I got to follow that up. Okay, I think, and this is, so number six for me is your favorite. You could just have pigs in a blanket. You could have all my pigs in a blanket. This is why we're perfect co-hosts, because if they brought pigs in a blanket out, you can have the whole damn basket on me. I don't want nay one of them. Don't want one. All right. So that's number six for me. Um, number five is, and this might be the upset of the century, but I think number five is going to be Italian sausage. Now, before everybody comes at me with pitchforks, I love me an Italian sausage, and it's mainly because of the peppers and onions. Like, homie, if you walk into and you smell peppers and onions and you but the only place on planet earth that I'm getting Italian sausage with peppers and onions is like at the, at the ball game, right? Like I'm not going to go to the store and buy it. Now, when I tell you my reasoning for number four, you'll better understand why the Italian sausage is number five and not number four. I'm going Vienna sausage number four. Okay. And most people are probably throwing up in their mouth a little bit at the thought of eating an Italian sauce uh, Vienna sausages, but I gotta tell you why. Okay. My grandmama used to like babysit me when I was a kid and granny used to take can of Vienna sausages, cut them lengthwise, and then she'd slap them on some white bread. And that was like what I had to eat for lunch. So like, I'm not saying that that's not disgusting because for most of the American population, it probably is, but boy, does it hold a sentimental place in my heart. So if you gave me a Vienna sausage sandwich, I ain't going to be mad at you. And that's going to make me think of my granny. So that's why that's number four. Uh, That's fair. Number three is going to be a brat. Love a brat. I do make brats at home, boil them in beer, top them with the peppers and onions. And I do feel like in a lot of ways, brats and Italian sausage kind of like cousins in the hot dog yeah, family. They really so, are. But I just like brats better. I don't know why, but I, I do. do too. Um, number two, just going to be your regular hot dog. I love me a good hot dog. And I'm... It, but here's my thing, okay? Hot dogs are like 7,000 times better when they come in the top slice bun. And 10,000 times better when it's a top slice New England style hot dog bun. You know, the one that essentially looks like a piece of Wonder Bread on each side and it's top cut? Oh, homie, that is good living. You give me a hot dog in one of them buns, slap some mustard on there. We're just living in high cotton on that, my man. Now, number one. The exact opposite of your list, by the way, and this was not pre-planned. Number one on my list is a corn dog. I will cut you for a corn dog. Like, there is no end to the number of corn dogs that I could eat. Corn dog on a stick, corn dog bites, foot long corn dog. Give them all to me, brother. Like, that is one of my favorite food groups is the corn dog. So, and for me, it's because of the bread. <laughs> Like, who, whoever, who, whatever evil genius thought, I'm going to stick a hot dog on a popsicle stick, and I'm going to dunk it in cornbread batter, and then I'm going to deep fry it, they should get the Nobel Peace Prize. Like, what a, what a brilliant, brilliant person. Like, something. They should get a medal, Presidential Medal of Freedom, something in that realm of prize they should get. And... Yeah, that's where I'm at with it, homie. So if y'all see me at the ball game and you want to bring your boy a corn dog 
slather it up with some mustard and a side of fries. I'll love you forever. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> oh, man. That is hysterical. That is, that is completely unplanned that our lists were the exact opposite. But boy, do I love that they were. Yep, you can have every single corn dog on the planet. I can't stand them. I can't stand the breading at all. It's so gross. I don't like corn. I mean, obviously, I don't like cornbread. So I'm, I'm going to say this. If somebody shows up to the Saturday in Athens podcast tailgate in Charlotte with a basket of croissants for my man boss and also a platter of corn dogs for your other favorite co-hosts, we're going to give you all a free T-shirt. I'm just saying that. You get yourself a free Saturday in Athens T-shirt if you show up to that podcast with basket croissants and some corn dogs. Let's just put it that way. We all, we all right with that? Is that is that a proposition we should make? I, I'm all for that. That works for me. Should, should I caveat it that it has to be the first person to show up in case like 40 people show up? Yes. Oh, the first person that shows up. But yeah, okay. we're not going to have that many t-shirts. Okay. First person that shows up with croissants and corn dogs is getting themselves a free t-shirt of their choosing. Let's just put it that way. All right, homie. Well, that was an excellent list. I'm so happy with where that went. I had no idea that was going to go as swimmingly as it did. So, boy, that was fantastic. That was awesome. That went really well. Hashtag boss loves croissants. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it trending, fellas. Let's get it trending. Oh, I need that trending on dog's Twitter. Oh, God. I love that. All right, homie. Well, that's it. That's it for this week. We'll, uh, we got some more stuff to talk about next week, but that's it for this week. We have an exciting announcement coming on our next episode. So we're just going to leave y'all hanging on that to be waiting. And sh- I should caveat that with our next episode that we tape together because our okay. episode's going to release and we're going to have our next interview episode that's going to release. And then we will have an episode with an exciting announcement from your two favorite co-hosts. Right? Yep. All right, so we're going we're gonna to leave y'all hanging on that. It's all about anticipation, so we're going to make y'all anticipate. But until then, go dogs. Sick. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.